0: What's up and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. All right, Uh, game three last night, we're sitting here a little bit panic. Well, I'm sitting here a little bit panicky. I don't know how you're feeling, Sean. I
1: almost feel like I've accepted our
0: fate at this point. Not that I want to give
1: up. Because I don't think it's over. But I do feel more at peace with the fact that we are where we are now. Last night, not so much. I felt the same as you. But I have kind of had the morning to figure it out.
0: Yeah, it sucks. Because, like, you want to see this, like, miracle come together. And it's just, I I think you still have to take a step back. And it's funny. I had had this whole, like, surrender moment when I I got on the plane last night before the game uh, ended and uh it kind of like when i i opened up my phone to see what ended up happening because the wi-fi was i uh i was like you know what i can't be upset because this team has gone way farther than i i thought they'd be and so from here on out i just think it's gravy i think every game we get to see uh we we should be feeling lucky that's just my glass half full thoughts right now
1: i mean what other way is there to look at it without just being mad right and like, yeah. i'm not going to get upset until we lose and even then i try not to let the emotions take a hold of me and try to think of all the positives that come out of it um and yeah i think there are a few positives but uh-huh. unfortunately especially in games one and two there weren't a whole lot of them
0: yeah uh so i think we need to definitely dive in find some of those uh uh, the good things, the bad things, obviously there's a lot of controversial things, uh, we'll go through that, uh, but just like to remind you guys, subscribe, follow, like all of our uh, social media platforms, and uh, yeah, feel free to to dive in and, and send us any feedback, I know we got quite a bit of it. Uh, the one cool thing that I actually saw, I don't know if you saw this Sean, but someone re- replied to um one of our posts says i can't wait to hear what your guys's take is on monday so that was kind of a cool response
1: like the take to everything that's been happening
0: <laughs> basically basically uh, but I, i'm actually gonna um i i wanted to do the plugs because i wanted to expand uh the the reddit side to you because i know mm-hmm. you've been doing a lot of work um trying to market things and get people involved and. I, I am not a Reddit guy. And so when I signed on and I saw all the good feedback that we've been getting, like uh, kudos to you for that work for sure. And, and for everyone for engaging there.
1: Yeah. I'd like to to thank the subreddit for actually letting me post on there
0: and just a PSA yeah.
1: to everybody who's listening. Greg
0: is recording this from
1: where in the UK?
0: I, I'm in London. Uh, um, it is 10 PM. We landed this morning. Uh, I'm running on about three hours of sleep in the last two days so uh, yeah it's a good point that the audio is probably not as great as we uh, as we would hope it to be but um, yeah just we we need to get this uh, this podcast out out because there's so much going on. Exactly yeah Um,
1: so yeah just like Greg said like comment subscribe etc leave us your opinion on twitter if you feel like it and we would love to share it and if you have any questions let us know
0: yeah yeah let's uh let's dive into the uh the Shiny game one that we saw you and i actually sat down and watched this game together
1: yeah that was a, a roller coaster of happiness and anger at the same time it was very interesting to watch
0: to say the least oh i know it it started right off the bat you get that good note um the good uh start with Kane getting the goal on the breakaway. And I mean, I used so many freaking times like this team just loves to score and then I don't know if they get overindulged with, you know, that great feeling and then forget to start playing hockey. But how I the second goal they they answered on or to tie it was right after, wasn't was it not?
1: Yeah, it was within like thirty to forty seconds, I believe. That's been a very common thing in this series: is that once uh, either Edmonton scores or the Avalanche score, there tends to be a goal very quickly going the other way against Edmonton.
0: Yeah, I, it was just a it was a tough uh, roller coaster of emotion, like you mentioned. Um, of course, Colorado responding again right afterwards, making it two one, um, and then. Hyman got that, that late bingo at the end of the first period. And then we saw it again, man. Like, <laughs> uh, <so.
1: laughs> talking about game one just gets me just like a lot of breathing. just like, ugh, and
0: sighing and so, being disappointed. There was no such thing as defense in that game. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So, uh, we haven't had a chance to discuss this. We might as well just uh, throw the floor open. Do you want to discuss some of the controversial things like the, uh, Um, a car goal right now, as we go through things or we want to say some of those stuff to the end.
1: Well, let's just quickly talk about that because I think everybody's gotten that out of their system at this point. Sure. And I've looked at the rule book. I've read all the takes that are out there. Yes. I understand that it by the letter of the law, it was a goal, but I think that goes to show that the law is a bunch of fucking horseshit and they need to do something (laughs) to make it more clear to make it more consistent. Like I know, like I've had a, I had a buddy, I had a long conversation with him. He's an apps fan. And obviously he's biased to want to consider that a goal. Right. And I think it comes down to like, it's just the fact that offside replays are the amount of time I feel you can spend on it, It's just absurd. Mm-hmm. like we sat there for 10 minutes. I remember me and you were watching that and being like, Oh yeah. Like that's no goal easily. You watch that at full speed. Nobody thinks that's a goal. You see where the ref is. He's on the far side, blue line. He should call that an offside 10 times out of 10, but because yeah. he fucked up, they replay it and he gets lucky. And it turns out that McCarr didn't touch the puck by like a millisecond.
0: It, it was like the perfect storm for that to count too. like the puck crossed the line. He didn't touch the puck. Was it Nichushkin that was coming back onside? He's tied up before that, like Makar's feet even entered the zone. It was just, yeah, yeah I, I'm with you. I was probably disagreeing and and pissed off till one in the morning that night. Um, but at the end of the day, like I, I agree with you too. It's If you look at the rule book, it's a goal. Um, it
1: just sucks that that's the case because like I looked at the rule book for probably a good hour to the next day like looking at like what defines control, what defines possession, like how does offside <laughs> exactly work and all of these things. And now my favorite thing was uh people talking about McDavid and when he's stick handling is like McDavid doesn't have possession of the puck there. He actually had like 200 micro possessions. <laughs> no kidding it's just like it adds gray area to other rules and like i know that it's not gray on this offside thing because like it specifically says touch but i think that's stupid because there's another rule that specifically talks about possession and offside and how you can skate backwards over the line as long as you have possession and it's not offside so i don't really understand the difference between those two in that sense it just seems dumb
0: yeah it feels like you're uh you're causing too many questions on the actual like rules itself. So oh, exactly. I don't know. I don't, I don't think the Oilers did any favors. Like, yeah, I get it. First off, like you can't doubt the fact that that was a fucking unbelievable shot from a car for one.
1: Oh, of course. Uh,
0: and for two, like it, you're going to make the challenge. You lose the challenge. You knew that you uh, were going to go down with a delay game penalty, but the onus is on the team uh, to, to kill that penalty. I don't buy any excuse that when a referee hands your team uh, um, a penalty that if you kill it off or you can't kill it off, that it's all the referee's fault. Like at the end of the day, you need to learn to turn that around and shut that, that out.
1: Yeah. Well, like I think in this game, actually Emmettid was quite good about like, Ignoring bad calls and ignoring Colorado goals and not letting them get to them too much. Um, mm-hmm. Just because they did come back to this game and make it seven to six. Like, I don't think we really need to cover each goal because, like, most of them I think were like odd man rushes or just bad giveaways in the defensive zone. I would blame like our defense on, I would say, 90% of the goals. Maybe one of those goals would probably be more goaltending than anything else, but everything else mm-hmm. was defense. And the same goes for Colorado. Like they had very piss poor defense on their end this game too. And I think everybody realized it and it kind of reminded me exactly of game one against Calgary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm glad we're not going to go through it. I was trying to pull up the uh um the actual goal by goal summary, but I'm using a Wi Fi that's fucking worse than dial up in the one of the biggest country or cities in this, this world. So um I do know the other scores, of the other games, I just didn't have to memorize the 14 goals in game one, but um, yeah, it was, it was nuts. It was, it was crazy. So uh, I, I don't, it was one of those games too, where the Oilers kept sneaking back back to your point about Calgary in game one, where it was like, Oh shit, like we might have a game soon, but I don't know your, your spell eventually runs dry. Um, and, and then I found towards the end that's where like shit started to kind of go off the handle I found I found that the Oilers have been doing this a lot lately when they get down in games especially in a bloat game like this or specifically in game two like they start mixing it up and, and getting a little chippy and like I understand you want to get under the opponent's skin there might be things coming your way but I think there's certain players that it really throws off their game to the point that that's all they're looking for moving forward. Like,
1: And I'm guessing think... you're talking about like a nurse, a cane, a Cassie. Exactly. That's all they think about. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, I, like, I... I'm fine with the chippiness, honestly. <clears throat> I don't think mm-hmm. it's that big of a deal. The thing I really hate about, especially we'll get into it about game two, is that they do it after they're pretty much out of the game. And like before that, yeah. they're not being chippy. They're barely throwing hits. They're not scrumming it after the whistle. And then all of a sudden they're losing. Then they start to get into like into Colorado's heads. And I'm like, where is this in the first like 10 minutes of the game where we're throwing hits at McCarr, or getting at his grill. So he's thinking about it all game. We do it at the end of the game where he's like, yeah, I just need to not do anything because
0: we've already won. So it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So I'm I'm having a little bit of <laughs> <laughs> lack of sleep here. Was the Connor McDavid blow up in the first period? Was that in game two or game three? What do you mean by the
1: Connor McDavid blow up?
0: He knocked someone like clean out. Oh, like, that right was uh, of
1: the that was game two. That was against Cogliano yeah. right in the first period, I believe. That was a, a good hit by him.
0: Yeah, that's the shit you need, like to your point.
1: Oh, exactly. And like, I think McDavid brings that in spades. Like, and he has this entire playoffs. Look against Calgary. He was a wrecking ball and he's top 10 in hits in the playoffs this year but like i know that's great for him but i think that's less of a positive for mcdavid more of a negative for the other like bigger players on edmonton (laughs) that that's like the most noticeable stuff that's happening is mcdavid having to do everything like what the hell is like cassie and mccain doing yeah i I I don't want to say here and point fingers at everybody because i think this has been a kind of a team debacle but Mm -hmm. like come like it's just like come on we know you can bring it why aren't you just very frustrating
0: yeah yeah uh, i couldn't couldn't uh agree more on that point uh jumping into game two uh i thought it was fairly like evenly matched up uh for the first period and then uh, like I-, I swear to god if you went you know to the bathroom in the middle of the the second period then you come back and it's three nothing like Oh, I love this reading those just comments find... on Twitters.
1: Just or on Twitter is like people would be like, "I just like had to go like take my dog out to the bathroom, came back and it's three nothing. What's going on?"
0: Yeah, like like you, I have a buddy that's an ass fan. He's like, "I came back, I saw it's three nothing. I went back to what I was doing because I didn't want to like watch the game. That's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you don't want to. That it makes now. sense. Yeah. So, um, a, a couple things I just wanted to bring out in that game because I thought the Oilers are flat. I, I just they weren't playing their style of hockey. And uh, I think as, as bad as I think the Oilers have played, I think Colorado's just been really solid. Well, um, especially in this second
1: game, Colorado was just good. Yeah, Like, especially yeah. in the second and third period, even outside of those two minutes, they were playing fantastic. Like, Edmonton didn't get any chances, really. I can't even think off the top of my head in that game, really. I think it was Pujarvi who had, like, the wide-open shot that he sent two feet over the net. But besides <laughs> that, there wasn't any like me standing up in my chair, like ready to cheer because I think it's a goal moment.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. Um, it, it, the only kind of downside that I found, I feel like the Oilers might be getting tired. Uh, you kind of gave a uh, a precursor to me earlier uh, about something you want to chat about a little bit later. But uh, I think the Oilers are making tired mistakes. Um,
1: Well, I can understand physically tired mistakes, but it seems like they're making mentally tired mistakes.
0: That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's like the amount of times I've seen them do like high off the board, like do a high chip off the glass out of the zone when they're under virtually no pressure. Or like, I think it was even in the last game last night, uh, nurse took that delay a game penalty where he had like barely any pressure from a single abs player. And he just sends it like delay a game far side out of the rink. I'm just like, that was in the neutral
0: zone, right? Uh, well, it was like in it was the defensive like... zone because it was a delayed game penalty, oh, but but it went like opposite side to the opposite. Oh yeah, uh, it was like opposite blue line, blue line. right? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's just yeah. like it's just these like mental lapses that they're making. Like, I know, like let's let's just talk about this now. This game, I think, especially a lot of people have been, let's just say, down on Nurse for uh, for lack of a better term, besides people wanting to literally lynch him in the streets for how he's been playing. <laughs> But, like, I think, obviously, he is injured. I don't think anybody's yeah. going to sit here and argue with that because I've seen I've seen what he can bring this year throughout the regular season before he was hurt. There's plays where he would back check, like, a guy would have a breakaway. He'd fly flying on the back check and just steal the puck away, kind of like McCarr did, I think, in this game to McDavid. Um, and he would do it, like, consistently and effectively. Um, but it seems like maybe his injury is occupying his mind and that is causing him to make these mental errors. Like obviously, his body can't keep up, but his brain just seems to not be there. I don't know if this is like a a tools and toolbox situation, kind of like a Yarvey, yeah. where I think a lot of people would say that he lacks the uh, the toolbox. But mm-hmm. I
0: don't know. I, I no, just I, I don't want to tear him apart. I, I know what you mean. It, it kind of sucked because yeah, jumping into Game Three, the Oilers get off to the the quick hop with McDavid. Great shot by the way that looked like he put 30% on it. But um the 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 response, like you mentioned, that Colorado had at the end of the period, that was the one that went off of Nurse in, right?
1: Yeah, like right uh sorry, we're on game three, right? The one where nurse yeah. like tipped it right in to that yeah, just short side on Smith when he was really <laughs> not prepared for that at all because it was going like almost out of the zone.
0: I thought that was just the perfect combination of the way the oilers have played the last couple weeks. Um, I saw the play and I audibly laughed because I was like, oh, that's fuck.
1: Of course, it's nurse who does that. Of course.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just in their defensive end. Yeah. I just thought it was very, uh, very telling of the way things have been going. But um, I'm going to let you do a lot of the the impulse stuff that happened in between. Um, I was standing. It's funny. I was in uh, Halifax. And if anyone who's been to the Halifax terminal, there's only one bar in there. Uh, and it was packed to the nines because everyone else is trying to leave, and I literally sat on the floor in front of the TV with my legs crossed watching the first period, and some old guys sitting beside me cheering for Edmonton. It was one of those, like, nothing else really matters right now, um, but I uh, eventually got got called, and uh, I, I think the last thing I saw was at the uh, the start of the second when they started getting things going, and I just saw the first update with uh, the goal before I lost service for everything. So um, hopefully, Sean, you can fill it in. I've watched some of the replays and stuff, and um, but how would you describe the Oilers game kind of after that 2-1 goal?
1: Well, like, I think we should quickly just cover the first period in a little bit of detail. because sure. There were some, sure. some big moments in that period. Like it was That's awesome true. to see Edmonton to get off to that huge start. That McDavid goal was like vintage McDavid and vintage Hyman too. That was like crazy amounts of work on the boards to somehow get that to him. I don't even know how he saw McDavid to send that to him, to get him, like hit him with speed there to get him that break. <laughs> that was, yeah. that was great. Um, and then obviously there's the controversial, not so controversial Kane hit on Kadri where Kadri's out for the series. Now um, Kane's currently having, oh, he's, out. he's out for the series. They announced it uh, as he's, he's done potentially for the playoffs as a whole too. I think he broke
0: his arm. Okay. Yeah. Cause I heard he was, he left the, the arena in a cast, but I yeah. didn't know if that was like a soft cast or what, but okay.
1: Yeah. At a minimum, I know he's out for the series. Um, <laughs> And then, yeah, Kane's having his hearing probably as we speak. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll get lucky and they'll drop the news live while we're doing this. But um, <laughs> anyway, quickly before we move on, though, what's your take on that? Do you think he's uh, going to get suspended? Like, what do you think? I was shocked that
0: Kane was allowed to stay in that game. Um, I was
1: confused, I, honestly.
0: Yeah, I uh, yeah. Th- we'll get into the whole process too because i so was i I didn't know you could review it and also call a five but not kick a guy out like is it because there wasn't an injury but there was an injury so like did they provide any clarity on that
1: i believe what i found was essentially that under the rule of issuing a game misconduct there has to be some sort of impact to the head or face And since I think he like it was his arm on the boarding, they couldn't give him like a game or it's up to their discretion whether or not they want to. And I guess they decided not to, which personally, which I'm still surprised by, by the way, going through this game that like Landis Cog or something didn't try to beat the shit out of Kane. Like that kind of seemed a little chicken shit from Colorado that they didn't stand up for their teammate and try to fight him. I never noticed any of that throughout the game but yeah, that's kind of been Colorado's MO in this series is that they haven't let anything get to them at all. Like, especially that chippiness at the end of games from Edmonton, like Colorado's just sat there and taken it and hasn't even reacted in the slightest.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's ultimately what keeps you, uh, keeps your head on your own game. But, uh, what was your take on the, on the hit? Well, obviously
1: I think like five minute major, I'm not arguing with that. Um, I think he probably should have been for like, I know people hate the term game management, but to keep that game out of under control. And luckily for the refs, it didn't get out of control. They should have probably kicked him out of the game. That kind of blew yeah. my mind that they didn't. Um, and then, well, I hope obviously as my biased opinion, he doesn't get suspended. I will not be surprised yeah. if he gets a game like, but mm-hmm. I would hope that it's only one game because I've seen far worse stuff. That's gotten
0: like a fine than compared to that or how I think it was just about, unfortunate timing, but how about the next controversial thing uh, that wasn't even called, but the, uh, the dirty slew foot from McKinnon on dry saddle.
1: My favorite part about that is um, I think it was Elliot in the intermission. He's sitting there talking about like what defines a slew foot. And part of it is he's like, he didn't take his elbow and drive him backwards over his foot. And then you watch the replay and it almost looks clear as day that he takes his elbow and drives him back over his foot. Like, I don't know what more could constitute a slew foot. And to me, the fact yeah. that that's not even getting a fine, let alone a hearing for of some sort, because dry saddle has been what slew footed three times these playoffs. And I know a yeah. lot of other non-Oilers fans like to make fun of Drysaddle and call him dirty because he's canned a couple guys, which I'm not going to defend him for that shit. But that doesn't mean yeah. that he should get slew-footed and that shit could, should just get swept under the rug. It's kind of horseshit to me. And I'm so tired of the Department of Player Safety in air quotes for even having that name in the first place. It's hypocritical when they seem to not give a shit about players in the slightest.
0: Yeah, I, it, it it's one of those series too where you can where I think it's bullshit is you don't hear the Oilers coming out and saying, like, a whole lot of things about it. But you have Gabriel Landeskog, pop, like, coming out, talking about the Caudry thing, saying, you oh, this isn't a play that shouldn't be a hockey. Yes, we all know that. I understand you're the captain of the Colorado Avalanche. You also not be, like, head-hunting guys who aren't even getting with in here, too. oh yeah we didn't even talk
1: about that what was your thoughts on that hit too i thought that deserved something
0: too yeah okay so my initial thoughts he went for his head dirty hit whatever even if um it had to at least be an interference call yamamoto was 10 feet away from the puck i understand what a, a suicide pass is but he didn't even touch the puck I yeah, that's I true. Just... I
1: don't I didn't even remember watching it but like thinking back to it or not watching but remembering the fact that it wouldn't be in inter- or interference. And I would agree with that that it looked to be that and honestly I've seen so many gifs and stuff where people show the hit where it's like from him approaching and then the first like couple milliseconds of him hitting, hitting Yamamoto <laughs> all you see is Yamamoto's head move. So clearly that yes. means that that would mean that it's the principal point of contact. So exactly I don't I don't understand what angle like maybe the other angles make it look clean but like if you find one angle that it looks dirty then i think it's dirty it's like watching a goal like if you see an angle that it's in the net then it's a goal like i don't really understand why they find all the angles that support that it's not a dirty hit and then they see the one angle that it is a dirty hit but they just ignore that because the other ones look fine yeah it's just it's- i I don't want to talk about the refs and how they suck ass and how the NHL has sucked ass with any of this in general. Like I still want Mm -hmm. to hear something from them to be like, our refing is bad and we need to figure it out. We apologize
0: for this. Like, yeah. Ugh. 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 I know. I know. (laughs) So Uh, yeah. And uh, speaking of,
1: Oh, Sorry, go ahead, before I go on another no,
0: tangent. I was just going to wrap it up. I was like, I know I brought up the McKinnon thing, and I feel like now, just because I made one bad post about Nate McKinnon, that I have to announce that I don't hate people from the East Coast. I don't know how that fucking idiot from Twitter <laughs> thought that, like, just because I said he embellishes something, that I don't like people from the East Coast. I was so close to, like, sending a picture right in front of the Cole Harbor sign that the next day, like, Anyway, yeah, I was waiting to get Nate, off the
1: plane and he's just sitting there like cracking his knuckles, waiting for you to get off the plane.
0: No shit. Nate McKinnon is one of my favorite players in the league. I just hate that he has to resort to like those kinds of things. But I hate the fact that Dry saddle smears people. It makes him take away from his talent. I don't. Anyways, I digress.
1: I I don't know. But the thing I was gonna quickly touch on is um I know a lot of Oilers fans have been complaining about the refing, and I do agree. Mm -hmm. The refing has been fucking God awful. And I just refuse to believe that Colorado is this team full of saints that don't do anything wrong where the power plays in game two followed by game three can be five to two for Colorado and then seven to two for Colorado, including a five minute major. Like the major I can't argue with. Let's, let's not, sit here and argue with that. But let's get rid of that. The penalties are still six to two. So overall in this series, the penalties are 13 to 6, or I guess 12 to 6, not including the five-minute major um for Colorado. Colorado has been first in the league in drawing penalties for five years in a row. Like Mm -hmm. I don't want to call that there's conspiracy or any of that bullshit because I think that's bullshit. But like (sighs) what is happening in this game that Emmetton is somehow taking twice as many penalties as Colorado. Like I
0: don't understand Sean, that i I have to I have to talk about this, otherwise, I'm gonna go insane sitting in my own room telling this to myself over and over. I need to put this thought out into the atmosphere. Um, it's not me sitting with a tin Hoil a tinfoil hat, just like being a controversial like conspiracy theorist. But I do think the NHL has a big, big boo-boo on their hands. They need to figure out the consistency with this fucking refing. If you have any balls to add like to uh, air as much as you have a betting and to have this much inconsistency with your refing, you need to figure that shit out quick because it does not look good.
1: You know, that might be one of the few positive things that come out of this regulation of sports betting um because people there's going to be outcries from people like say you bet on uh let's just say hypothetically you bet on calgary to win the cup and in that series against Emmetton, it was game seven and they called that kick or whatever or they missed a bad penalty so then Emmetton beat calgary and calgary's out like you have all these people who are going to lose their fucking minds and absolutely blast you on twitter and just probably want to boycott you because you're refing so bad Like I'm sure other sports deal with this all the time and I want more transparency. I think refs should be held accountable. And like, I don't care if the NHL sat there sits there and like, Oh, we privately hold our refs accountable. And it's like, I don't give a shit. Like you're a public league. I want to see what's going on. Like (laughs) if I see the players getting fines, I want to see the refs getting fines for making shit calls.
0: No shit. And you've got guys like Tim peel who're out here on Twitter. Like, uh, (laughs) Marketing their own fucking refing school. Like,
1: did you did you see yeah. the tweet from Tim Peel last night after the cane hit? No, I
0: no.
1: It, he removed it because he put in all caps with an exclamation point was karma after Kadri oh, got boarded, my. and immediately deleted it. But a lot of people screenshotted <laughs> before he deleted it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's just the pot calling the kettle black, eh?
1: Yeah, it's oh, just like God. I don't know. I like. Ugh. I'm not going to be that Oilers fan who sits here and says that's the reason we're losing because we have played poorly.
0: But I, I would completely, yeah. I, I know like, I brought let's... that up. I do have to do have to clarify that I, it's just I. It's something that the NHL has to figure out. But I, I think there's a lot of dirty things from both sides that haven't been called. It's just the fact that it's not being evened up is the, the unfortunate thing. So I I don't know where we left off before we, we jumped on this tangent? I think. We were well, we were still we about about the...
1: recapping game three and we were just <laughs> yeah. in the first period. And then we talked about that hit, but um, like, yeah, I don't care about it being evened up even in penalties, but two to one is absurd. You can't tell me that's bullshit. Yeah. Like maybe a Colorado fan can tell me that's bullshit, but I feel like any unbiased fan can't sit here and say that's bullshit. It just, I it think. seems a little absurd to me, but once again, I digress as well. Um, so I think the main reason Edmonton struggled in this game was just not, they didn't get the bounces. They were just unlucky. Like, let's look at the first Colorado goal, which was obviously that nurse tip in, which sucked. Mm -hmm. And like, meant like, I can't even make sense of how that tipped that direction in the first place when it's going with momentum out of the zone to the far corner. And somehow nurse tips it and it goes backwards, the other direction and tips perfectly in right under Smith's arm. Like yeah. obviously that sucks for nurse. It sucks for Smith. It sucks for everybody. And I think we just need to move on and not worry too much about it. People are going to sit here and be like, what the fuck are you doing? But he's trying to break up the pass. So it doesn't get across. Cause there's a Colorado guy on the far side. Like, yeah, it's unlucky. There's nothing you can do. And then we come to the second period goal, which is, Taves takes a shot from the point it hits. I think I can't remember who in front. Hit, I think it hits an Oilers player because he blocks it. It bounced straight to Nakushkin, who with Bouchard between him and the net, it goes off Bouchard's skate after he shoots it and goes far side of the net. So Smith was sliding across to take the short side away. And then it goes far side instead. So like mm-hmm. once again, absolute garbage fucking bounce and we can't catch a break. Like we had to fight for all of our goals. Like they were tippins. They were just straight shots in for McDavid and McLeod. So like right. any of these bounces, we weren't getting the lucky bounce garbage goals. Like, I don't know if that says more about Edmonton not playing properly, but I don't, I don't know about it. I, d- I don't want to sit here and argue that either, but, and then there was yeah. the JT conference goal. I'm sure you've seen the highlight <laughs> of that. If
0: you missed it while you were on the plane. And, yeah. i I didn't, I didn't see anything until I got back. Like actually the way I found out about all this is I read a, uh, the only thing I had access to was that WestJet Connect thing, and it had a news article. It says Avalanche pushed the Oilers to the brink of elimination. It's like, ah, for fuck's sakes. But I, I went back and I watched that, and it's amazing how hockey works in the playoffs. Like, if if uh, Bouchard shot from the point wasn't, you know, just an inch off, the Oilers have a lead. And well, I think then- we go on
1: to win at that point.
0: That that's what I mean, but I have I have a couple thoughts um, just on the, the defense play from Bouchard. Uh, I know he was skating back and was at the end of a shift, and from what I saw, but I, I just I don't think he took the right angle on the puck. Your job as a defenseman is to keep yourself between uh, or keep the puck between yourself and the boards, and I just think he was poorly uh, managing that puck battle and allowed JT Comfort just to completely outwork him.
1: Well, I think he just put himself into a poor position. Like the puck's sitting there along the boards, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And Bouchard is ahead of him and closer to the boards with JT Confer on his left as they're skating toward the puck. I don't know if like he can see Confer skating faster than him. Is the play to like ignore the puck and get into a better position by like going on the other side of him and trying to get between him and the net? Or like, because he clearly got out-muscled there. Um, Mm -hmm. so I don't, I don't really know, like he could have obviously played it better, but I don't know what could have worked better for him. That could have been, somebody could have sat there and argued to be like, yeah, that's the right play.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine what you're feeling when you see a goal happen right after it looked like possession was in uh, Colorado's entire, you know, last few minutes before that, um, but that must be deflating. Well, I think you could hear it in the
1: crowd. Like the crowd went from oh, like yeah. cheering and getting excited again to just like dead silent. I didn't hear a look th- out of the crowd for the rest of the game.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the one thing I did watch, uh, and I caught the last like uh, five minutes of the game, um, just rewatching how it all played out kudos to mike smith making that two-on-one save what two minutes left like that would be the that are sales completely yeah.
1: just uh just a quick fyi i apologize if greg's mic doesn't sound great once again he is in london and it is cutting in and oh, am, am i i don't know okay. if it's i don't know if you have an extra window open on your browser or something that's making that happen but but yeah uh, i yeah. mike smith kept them in the fucking game people even in this whole series i will go down on my dying breath that Mike Smith is the only reason why we haven't got blown out in every single fucking game. Otherwise the, the score should be like 10 to fucking two every game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's made some five bell saves. We could talk about the conference save, how he should have had it. And I'm not going to sit here and say that he shouldn't have. And I would love to ha- him to have made that save to have kept us in the game. Cause Francis made the save just prior to that on like McDavid on the back door. And if it was camper net, that probably would have went in because Francis is a self-paw and had his glove on that side instead of his blocker. But yeah, all this, like I see so much on Twitter where people are like sitting there and bitching and moaning about Mike Smith as the reason we lose. And I'm like, I don't understand where you're coming from with that. Like you watch those goals. Smith had chance on one of them. So sure. But he didn't have any chance on the other two prior game. He didn't have a chance on, I think, three out of four of them. Like, I can't sit here and say that he's the reason we're losing, especially the shutout game prior. You can't expect to win
0: with zero fucking goals. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't disagree. With that. I, I mean, he hasn't been outstanding, but I, yeah, I would agree he's not the reason we're losing. It's, just, I think it comes down to poor defensive play. And we've seen it from Jump Street with the playoffs with the Oilers. So, I well, I think
1: that's something they're going to really have to look at going into next year is like, assuming we don't come back, but we'll get into that oh. in a
0: minute. Um, yeah. yeah. But... So, so can Sorry, I just quickly ahead. add something about this that I'm so sick and tired of seeing is about how everyone's bitching about nurses contract. Um Yeah. I get he's making nine and a half million dollars. You know who else is making nine and a half million dollars? Charlie McAvoy. Uh, like, it's it's a market value that you're paying these players for. You have to. Well, it's overpay like players Seth Jones, Edmondson.
1: Charlie McAvoy, like Nurse, obviously. Like I think there's just a kind of a cap on defensive salaries around like 10 million would be the max. But like all the top, probably 30 guys in the league would sit between the eight and a half to 10 million dollar zone. So I would say yeah. at like most, because he's our number one defenseman. No other defenseman is going to come here and sign that contract. Um, he's probably, if anything, he's maybe overpaid like a million of that money. And people keep talking about this and he's not even earning that money yet. It doesn't start till next year. So it's moot. So let's see what he can bring next year. Yeah. Like there's like, I don't want to sit here and be a nurse apologist because he's been not great. But at the same time, you have to consider the factors in this game, which is the fact that he's injured. And he's not playing right. And in all honesty, he's probably being overplayed and in the wrong situations, which I will get to <laughs> later.
0: Uh, yes, yes, you will. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I just don't like it. Uh, right now is is kind of a tough time to evaluate what a guy is paid for their entire year, uh, especially considering how deep we are into the playoffs and and uh, like injuries all incurred. I, I digress. Uh, The Oilers can't find a way to win game three. And now we sit on the brink of elimination uh, heading into a game four at home. Um, I'm always a never say never guy. Uh, But I think the Oilers have to win one game tomorrow. That's it. That's all I got to do. One game.
1: Well, we have to sit here and take it one game at a time. We can't be sitting here and be like, "Mm, let's think game five when we're back in Colorado. How how are we going to win that game? No, don't think about that. Think about how the fuck you're going to win tomorrow and what we need to do to do that. And I think the whole team needs to sit there and really have like an internal discussion about what's going to need to happen because nobody's really... I can't sit here and say like a specific player has played great. The only one I can think Mm -hmm. of off the top of my head is Ryan McLeod, which, once again, I will get to later. But... (laughs)
0: You must be shitty at poker. Hey, Sean. <laughs> uh, Not the best. <laughs> yeah. Just showing your hand. <laughs> anyway. Yeah.
1: So it's, I, I'm better at blackjack. Let's just say that. Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> I just had to bug you about that. Yeah. So we find ourselves at uh, kind of do or die. And uh, what, if anything, do the Oilers have to do right off the hop in game four?
1: Well, we have to, like, obviously, I've said it a million times this fucking playoffs. We have to come out and play a strong game. We did that in the last game, but then Kane went and boarded Kadri and took the wins out of our sails of the momentum of the crowd of everything. We killed off the penalties, and then as soon as we did, we got a shitty bounce and Nikushkin scored. Like, it just it just sucks that this team can't catch a break even when they're playing well. And, like, they need to find a way, though, to play well in spite of what's going on around them. Like, you have to beat the hockey gods. You have to play hard and chippy and, like, get pucks in the net. Make sure there's traffic in front. The amount of times I've seen, like, Barry take a shot and Hyman standing six feet to the left with his stick trying to tip it rather than standing in front of the goalie's eyes is just, like, it's maddening to watch. But they need to play that way to win and beat this team. Like, I think they can match the skill of Colorado especially on forward, but they can't match the defensive skill that that team's bringing. So they need to be chippy and be better than them in some other regard.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Kane kind of mentioned it before. He said, we, we have different physical elements of our game that we need to bring and we need to start doing it. But like, I mean, talk is cheap at this point. Like they just, Oh yeah.
1: I don't care what they sit there and talk about. Like, Oh, we did this well. We just need to do that more. Like, I don't care what you have to say, like let your play show like I want them to sit there and be like, we'll let our our play show like how how we're going to approach the rest of the series. Like we're not going to sit here Mm -hmm. and talk about what we did well, what we're going to need to do, like just go out and fucking do it. Go and play well and win. I don't think it's that hard for these players who are veterans for anywhere from one to 15 to almost 20 years for like a Duncan Keith and Mike Smith. Like, these guys have been there, done that. They know the way they need to play. Just fucking do it.
0: Yeah, so I've got one question heading into game four, just considering everything. Colorado's down. I, well, who knows if Kemper comes back. It sounds like he was skating, but he's only taking um, lower body shots. So he he could be out. Uh, you now have Kadri out. Um, the Oilers, though, they have Yamamoto gone. Uh, I think he's still unknown for Game 4, right?
1: I believe so, yes.
0: Yeah, and so if we have the potential of having Kane gone, do you know what question I'm about to ask you? Is it time, Sean? Is it final time?
1: Is it Holloway time? Is
0: it Holloway time?
1: I will say yes. And I will be extremely disappointed if Kane gets suspended and Holloway is not in the lineup. Because I don't want to see them bump fucking Archibald up into the top nine. They've already put Cassian up there, and I'm not necessarily happy about that in the first place. Like, I thought yeah. they were going to do something else, but I, I, I want to see Holloway play.
0: Yeah, I, I think you, along with probably 95% of all of nation, just around just everybody didn't really love what was happening. It's weird, too, like with the, the last-minute shuffle with Malone coming in. Not saying that's a bad thing. I know a lot of people really like his game, but I think at this point too, like uh, everything that you said, I agree to. I think the only thing I would just add to that is you're down three nothing, and you're out two of your most offensive players. Um, you have to add a scoring touch. You just you have to.
1: Well, it's true. Like I didn't mind the way that uh, Brad Malone played yesterday. But like mm-hmm. I don't exactly have any expectation for him to score whatsoever. Like obviously it was oh, yeah, great yeah. to have him in that game because we had to kill a five minute penalty, so we needed all hands on deck and he can kill penalties. But like I don't want to have to be in that situation. I'm not saying Holloway would have been the difference maker in last game, but I don't know if it could have helped or not. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would say that the main change i would do for lineups in terms of like actual lineups i would bring in holloway in some regard
0: whether or not whether or
1: not king gets suspended i still would like to bring holloway in
0: yeah i think it might be time regardless that that's a good point um like yeah. what, what do we have to uh, at this? like really <laughs> just the rest of the season sean that's it i guess Well,
1: that's the, that's the point though. It's not like we're up three to one and we're like, Oh, let's toss them and let's give them a chance. It's like, we're a desperation mode. Like let's play like it. Like even I want to see like a lineup that's more desperate in general, like I don't, I just need to see something. I need to see them like go into the next game and change something about their game. Mm. Cause that's, that's another quick fact. I just wanted to throw out there. We've been outshot 47, 40. And then I think it was like 43 last night. Like, how are we giving up forty plus goals, three games in a row to the Colorado goddamn Avalanche, and expecting to win a game?
0: Especially a team that's got a fairly decent back end that's that's shutting you down. Like, well, exactly.
1: When Edmonton's struggling to crack, I think they're less than thirty on average in this series. Like, I don't know. We we need to figure something out, but we're we're just gonna keep sitting here, and everyone's gonna keep be like, oh, I don't know. We need to do this. Eh, maybe we'll try this. Blah blah blah. But like, we can only do that for so long.
0: Yeah, we need to win tomorrow. We need yeah, to win tomorrow. We need checked. to score more goals than the other team. I was, I was like, we need to win tomorrow, but for me, it's going to be Tuesday. So, <laughs> um, or, anyway, Are the games uh, at like 3 in the morning for you then? Thank God, like last uh, round would have been, but they start at 1. And so 1.30 puck drop, but still like, uh, I don't care. I'm going to nap during the afternoon. I'll watch all of them um so we'll we'll jump into the plus minus before we wrap things up and on a few different thoughts with everything going on sean i know you've got some really good uh valuable plus minus this week so i'm going to jump into mine quickly um i'll start with the negative uh it's just one of these things that i'm starting to see a trend of it i remember as a kid just watching tv and it's probably because it was a swear that i thought it was so effective but um when uh especially in playoffs when a bad call was made or something was missed like you'd get the the old uh, bullshit chant and it was fantastic to hear it was like the only time my dad would allow me to swear is just when like this hockey game's going on a bad call was missed and you could chant that and then it kind of like took on a life of its own earlier with you know social media pushing the refuse suck chants and now it just it gets to a point where it's so tired like it sounds like every single time that like you miss maybe a a what if penalty like Colorado's been the worst at it like their fans will not shut up chanting ref you suck like every little play it it's like it's like the boy who cried is it the boy that cried sheep no it's the sheep that cried wolf that's the the boy you who get cried what I'm wolf. saying it's <laughs> holy fuck got a <laughs> the new-
1: sheep who cried wolf. That's great.
0: Um, I agree with you,
1: though. Like, it's. (laughs) I said it before, like, Colorado has been first in power plays drawn for five years in a row. They're leading 12 to six, excluding the five-minute major in this series. So I don't want to fucking hear it. You can't sit there and be on the power play all fucking game. Like, we're chanting it in Edmonton because we've had two per game on average. Well, you've had almost five. So that's why. It seems fucking absurd. And you're sitting there like, I think it was the first period of game two. They just had three power plays. And then they're sitting there chanting, refs, you suck. And I'm just like, what the fuck is your problem?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's all I got. Uh, I'm clearly mixing up. It's too late now. So I'm just going to try to limit my words as much as possible. <laughs> Sean, your minus.
1: Uh, my minus, I know it may be fairly controversial because everybody loves Woodcroft, but my minus is Jay Woodcroft's minute management of defensemen. And I think this comes back to the point I was trying to make with Darnell Nurse that I was trying to say for now, which is that he's injured. Everybody knows that he's making physical and mental mistakes because he can't keep up or his brain isn't just keeping up because maybe he's too focused on his injuries. And ultimately, he's being, I think, still overplayed for how much he is actually capable of bringing, especially against the top players of the team. One of the things that made me very upset last night was looking at the time on ice sheet afterwards and seeing that nurse, even though we're running seven defensemen, still is playing 22 minutes a night and leading our defensemen in time on ice. I was like, isn't the whole point of running 11 and seven? We have seven defensemen. So then we can limit nurse's minutes to some degree in certain situations so he can stay fresher and be playing better. And yet here we all are are watching nurse still playing the same amount of minutes he has. Like you could sit here and be like, oh, yeah, he's injured because he's not playing like 25 to 30 minutes a night like he has been in the past because that's the way Tippett was playing him. But I think he's still playing more than he's capable of because of his injury. So that is my big minus is that I don't understand what Woodcroft is doing with that because it seems like everybody that I've heard, whether it's media or fans or anything like that, everybody feels the same way that nurse is playing too much for what he's capable of bringing right now. And somehow the coaching staff is sitting there and be like, am I the one who is wrong? No,
0: it's the kids who are wrong. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I would extend that too. Cause I, I don't think um, Dave Manson is exempt from that either. I, I don't, like, obviously I'm not on the bench, but I know that the head coach doesn't always run the lines, but obviously Woodcroft has some sort of uh formula for coming up with the 11 and seven, regardless of a uh, team management standpoint. I'm with you. Like, how do you play an injured guy that much? And, you know, expect like, what's the point of dressing seven defensemen then, especially when you're getting outscored and outshot, like.
1: Well, clearly, to me, that's a defensive issue <clears throat> is if we're getting outshot like that. And yet, like, it's the definition of insanity. We just keep doing the same shit over and over and over again and expecting a different result. It, like, I don't mm. understand why we're not changing anything. This is the third game in a row where we've essentially ran the same pairings. They have played the same time on ice. And we're like, oh, what's the problem? I don't understand. Why did it change? <laughs> we added an extra defenseman who we played for like eight minutes and reduced our best defenseman's minutes in Kulak and think that things are going to change. Yeah. And I say best defenseman in terms of he's the healthiest and playing the best right now. Not that he is our best defenseman all the time.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's up for much debate. Uh, I was going to add the caveat that um, they're getting outshot and whatever, maybe because they don't have enough forwards, but I mean, they didn't run 11 and seven for, Game one and two. So I mean, I, I guess that point's mute. Um, yeah. Uh, I everyone, I feel like that should just be like if we were to have a title for this episode, it'd just be like, I don't know. <laughs> but
1: well, I think that's uh, kind of where I'm everybody's just... at. It feels like we've tried a million different things and nothing's working. And we're like, what do we do? We're just smashing our heads on the wall trying to figure out what we need to do. And I'm hoping Woodcroft and the team figure that out tonight. Yeah. and come into tomorrow and be like okay let's fucking do
0: this. Yeah, I would agree. Um my my plus of the week um uh, we we're not I find what they're doing is hilarious. We're not in like I wouldn't consider them like a a, a competitive thing because it's it's spit and chiclets that cover the entire league um but what they brought to Edmonton, I think putting them back on the map. Obviously you have Ryan Whitney uh who poor guy (laughs) broke through the mud his entire career in Edmonton. I love the guy, uh, but I can definitely understand why people were frustrated with him towards the end of his career and everything. And Edmonton always gets bashed for being like just a a shithole where nobody wants to be. And it's not fun. And they come into Edmonton. They bring the whole spit and chicklets crew. They bring TNT uh, with them all because of this stupid bet for uh, Bissonnette and I think, I think it surprised a lot of people, and I'm not even just talking about the guys that showed up there. I think a lot of people realized how much of a hockey town Edmonton is, and how much this city loves their team. And so, I, uh, I just my plus for the week is just those guys uh, on the Spit and Chiclets podcast, just for kind of giving Edmonton a chance and uh, giving them a little bit of uh, a plug to the rest of the NHL and all, all the fans that follow.
1: Well that's I I agree. Like I think what I don't necessarily love their podcast. I've listened to it a lot when it first came out, but it started to get a little yeah. old for me. But yeah, I think their their personalities are exactly what hockey needs in general. Mm. Like everything they bring to the table is fun. And that's what hockey lacks a lot of. Hockey almost feels like golf sometimes, where it's like we have a specific set of rules. If you no know wearing shorts on the PGA tour kind of bullshit. And like those guys kind of break the mold where it's like biz is getting his head shaved into a, a call de sack in the middle of a <laughs> middle of the concourse and then has to go live on TNT with that right afterwards. Like that's, that's the kind of shit that's fun. And I think that's yeah. what people take away. Once it gets to professional hockey, they like, I think hockey's supposed to be fun. Like junior hockey and everything. Those guys have fun out there. Like they're, they're not just your teammates. There's someone like your brothers when you're playing and like, I'd like to see more of that come out of the locker room and kind of out more for people to see. And the fun that comes along with it.
0: Couldn't have said it better. Couldn't have said it better.
1: So I have my plus plus also, and that is Ryan McLeod. I loved him at the beginning of the playoffs. He didn't have a great first two series, but I think far and away he has been Edmonton's best player in this round. Like maybe Smith has played well. But I think Ryan McLeod has been fantastic, especially in a third line role. He's been killing penalties. He scored some timely goals. He scored the tying goal in this one. He scored uh, a, a goal in the first game as well. Um, that third line of Fogel, Puliarvi, and McLeod has had some fantastic chances and have been ominously like, I don't know if it's controversial to say it, but I think it's been Edmonton's best line in the series as well. Uh, maybe because they're Definitely not playing lost. against. They're not playing against McCar and Taves. Maybe that's why they're playing yeah. so well, but that's what you need from your depth. So and but I think cloud. Yeah, exactly. They come out every shift and they're playing extremely well. Like they generally speaking, they get possession and get at least a chance out of it. They're not hemmed in their zone. Um, So ultimately, yeah. Ryan McLeod love him. I think that's the biggest bright spot so far from these playoffs and what playing your rookies in high pressure situations can bring like, Sometimes they make mistakes like Bouchard has a few times, but Bouchard has also had some fantastic moments too. And then McLeod, he's been fantastic. And I'm really tired of the old adage of people not wanting to play rookies because they're rookies. Like, give them a chance. Look at how McCarr played last – or that one year he came in for Colorado and played fantastic. I'm not saying everybody's going to be McCarr, but I feel like there's more positive stories about rookies coming in and playing a nice role for a team in a playoff run than there are negative stories.
0: Look at the fucking New York Rangers. Like, well,
1: exactly. They have their kid line popping off because they're giving them a chance to play.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't. Uh, I I love what Ryan McLeod has brought to uh, um, this team, and I think it extends past him. I think the Oilers for such a long time had this you know reputation for rushing uh, people like out of the draft into their um into their NHL club and people just spiraling out that's why I really hate the like um uh, it, it are the Oilers wasting Connor McDavid's future I I don't think a lot of people spend a lot of time to look at the back end work that the Oilers like farm system has done when you look you've got Yamamoto you've got Ryan McLeod you've got Evan Bouchard now you've got Broberg coming up Holloway coming up, Ema Linen coming up like they have done an extremely extremely good job of bringing up these uh uh these rookies and and developing them and to your point like are we coming to a point where these people might start getting shots
1: well like we gave Benson a shot this year and he struggled to make an impact but like I think they watched him struggle for some reason and now they've been hesitant like this is part of the reason why I was excited for Woodcroft is that he might give younger players more of a role on the team and I will say he's given the younger players on the roster more of a role, but I ex- I was expecting more roster movement as well to give like players like even Broberg or Nima line and a chance on defense in these games, whether they're the seventh defenseman last game or something. I don't know if they make a difference or bringing Holloway in and giving him a chance to play like on the fourth line with Cassian with the eleven and seven, so they get shifts with McDavid or Drysall or McLeod or Nuge or something, whoever they're deciding to double shift that shift. Like I. Yeah, I want to see it. Maybe now is not the best time because obviously it's the playoffs. We're going into Game Four. It's an elimination elimination game, but I don't know. I just want to see it.
0: Well, and to your point too, like I think with what we've seen uh, with Wood's ability to deal with the rookies on the team, uh, I think, and we can do a lot of talking about this over the next couple months. But I think it's time. I don't care mr hall and like i think it's time you start handing a little bit more of the keys over to your coaching staff to make those decisions um because i i truly believe that that's part of the reason that you're not seeing guys like holloway coming up mid-year or et cetera et cetera because it does have to go through the gm like
1: well he's probably sitting there thinking like i don't want to burn the first year of this guy's entry-level contract
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no i i i, I love the effort and uh, performance that Ryan McLeod and to your point, like his line have brought over the series. So um, yeah, you know, I just want to add a nice bookend to this whole
1: podcast today. And that is that everything we're talking about today is moot because we're going to come (laughs) back and we're going to win in seven games against Colorado with Ryan McLeod scoring the OT winner in game seven.
0: (laughs) Keys to the city. pal. Here you go. Yeah, I. we're going to be here talking next Sunday, and it's going to be a whole different attitude.
1: I mean, isn't next uh, Sunday game seven? Fuck. I believe that's how it would go. Monday, Wednesday, Friday,
0: Sunday. Sean, I don't know what day today is.
1: Well, it's probably coming up on midnight, so who knows what day it is yeah. there right now.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's a good place to call it quits. I need to get some sleep, but um, in that sleep, I'm going to prepare to for tomorrow. And uh, yeah, whatever comes uh, is is whatever it was meant to be. Uh, I've I've really got nothing else to add, man.
1: <laughs> I think we've kind of beat this dead horse to death at this point. More so, he's lying in the the next life, being like, "Stop fucking hitting me." So I think with everything being said, we should just write it off here and say what everybody wants to hear. And that's, let's go Oilers. Woo.